Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Shoot Your Shot podcast. My name is Sandy Arberahini, alongside my co-host, Bradshaw for Long via the quarantine dial. And we have <laughs> a guest. He is a uh, writer for Hoops Magazine, the co-host of the Dunks and Discourse podcast, a man who makes the greatest Google Doc polls in NBA history, <laughs> Mr. Josh Everly. Josh, how you doing, man? Good, man. I appreciate that intro. I'm, I'm, fe- I'm feeling pretty hyped right now. Nice. <laughs> nice. I mean, how's, uh, how's social distancing and, uh, and quarantine treating you out in, uh, in Calgary? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a roller coaster. I'd be lying if I, wasn't, if I was to say I wasn't having my good days and bad days. And a tad bit frustrating, obviously, uh, here in Canada that we're going to be living this reality at least until the end of August. And uh, as other countries start to go back to a quote-unquote normal, I don't know. And the weather gets nicer. I think it'll be harder and harder. Yeah, I agree. Um, It's tough because we also don't have sports, you know, the the whole (laughs) – like if we had sports or basketball in general, then we had something to kind of keep our mind entertained. Um, but what's been working so far has been the last chance doc, and I'm sure, or sorry, last dance doc, and I'm sure you've seen that uh, the first two episodes earlier. Last dance has been feeling a bit like a last chance with uh, with, with, with all, move, all the movies getting pushed back, no sports. Um, yeah. I wish I could say I cared enough about the NFL to watch. I haven't watched a single minute of the draft, honestly. I just, I can't, I can't get into it. It's not the same. Um, uh, shouts to ESPN for trying to make horse work, but that wasn't going to do it either. So yeah, very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even the two K tournament was was just, just no. It didn't work. It wasn't it enough. Work. Yeah. Uh, I know Bradshaw's into the NFL draft. I'm sure he's like peeking through his TV right now. Yeah. I have, I have my TV on right in front of me watching it as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I, it's, it's times like this I wish I had a, uh, a second sport that I love just as much as basketball. But, I mean, what were your impressions on, on The Last Dance in general, so, like so far in the first two episodes? Ah, oh, man, there's a lot to take in, um, just in general. I, I guess, you know, like uh, being the fanatic I am and, and, and getting to collaborate with some of the people I have, there was there wasn't a ton of, of uh, true shock me moments in the like I knew that Kraus and the Bulls were, were not in tight the story that that Wright Thompson wrote about Michael Jordan's fiftieth birthday I don't know five six years ago now um, where he documented that letter about Michael needing you know like being hungry in college blew my mind at the time so a couple of those bigger moments for other people I'd already kind of heard about. The mm-hmm. direct quote from Kraus, though, to Phil Jackson talking about how he could win 82 of 82 and he'd still be gone is is a is a little bit of a, a highlighter on, on top of the word, though. That was uh, that was heavy. I think like the, the, the craziest part about that is I just when I was watching it, I was thinking, oh, my God, like, can you imagine if there was a guy like Jerry Krause in today's NBA with all that we know? And, you know, all the social media attention that everybody gets. I mean, people rag on James Dolan and the, and the Knicks, which is fair. But 
imagine what would have happened if we had a guy like Jerry Krause who wanted to break up a six NBA champion type of team. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it, I mean, it's kind of twofold, right? And I mean, Krause isn't, isn't here. He's not with us. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's not Michael Jordan. So it's, it's obvious which side, you know, the doc was going to lean. But, I mean, he, he was obviously a very capable executive bringing in Horace Grant, who's barely got a, a message to this point, and, and you mm-hmm. know, trading for Scottie Pippen on draft day and making the decisions he did obviously contributed quite heavily to their success. But, you know, going toe-to-toe with the star doesn't work for anyone. And uh, it is interesting, though, that you mentioned today because I am sure, I am sure some of these, you know, college-educated, master's degree this, came from money, general managers we got around the NBA feel very similar today. Like, these players don't know what they're talking about, and they don't know the work they put in. They're just a little bit, they're a little bit more aware of the PR optics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I think um, to kind of look closer at that, the, the, the craziest part is that the NBA has shifted. You know, it's, it's become about player empowerment and you know, the, the onus, I guess, I guess the control more so is in the player's hands to dictate what happens uh, more than ever, in my opinion. But I want to, without kind of aging yourself, if you don't want to, were you around to actually watch Jordan live? Because Bradshaw and I were not. At the very end, 98 would have been the only year I would have caught any of them live. But, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the craziest year, though, right? So It, it is. And it, mm. it, it's crazy, too, because, like, you know, doing doing some of the projects in the past, like uh, some of the older guys I worked with would always be like, oh, no, you don't know. Right. They, they try to like and the guys that I played men's league with. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't don't talk to me about LeBron. He's no <laughs> Jordan. And you have you have those conversations. I, I've gone back. I've seen every finals game Jordan has ever played. But it, it is true in that, like, you can't account for, like, the feeling of nostalgia and that in the moment with the narrative that you've been reading and participating in and, and watching play out all year, it's different, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, at least for me, just because I I started watching basketball or at least understanding that I was watching basketball uh, around 2002, 2003. And that was the time LeBron got drafted. So uh, a lot of the success and failures that he had, I kind of had a chance to go through with him. You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of people, um, have that same feeling about Jordan because they saw him go through the Celtics and lose, the Pistons and lose, and finally get over the hurdle. Um, do, do you feel that there's never going to be that agreeance between LeBron and Jordan fans? Like, hey, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll kind of settle this and say none of us are right? No, there never will be. And, and, and there shouldn't <laughs> be. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, you know what? It's, it's a competitive sport. It's about who the, who the best is. And I don't really want to live in a sphere of fandom where... Like everybody, let's let's just shake hands before right. the battle. You know, like that that's part of what makes it fun, man. And I think 2016, what LeBron did against the Warriors on that stage, only three one comeback ever, 73 win team, unanimous MVP. You know, the numbers he put up those final three games, yada yada. We could go on and on, but I, I think that was the moment where if you were in the middle, if you were like, oh, I could go LeBron, I could go Jordan, that was your moment to come to LeBron. And if you didn't, then you're just a Jordan guy, and that's fine. And if you were already decided before, then you're just LeBron guy, and that's fine. I think both are, are reasonable answers, but I don't ever expect anybody to just shake hands. It is also interesting, too, like when you compare LeBron and Jordan, it brings up like a question of 
the game back in the 90s when Jordan played, and it brings up the question of now. And obviously one of the biggest differences now is the three-point shot is much more prevalent. Some people argue that it's made the game worse. Personally, I think it's made it a lot better. Something that S and I have noticed when we watch these games is just how slow the pace has been. And like they're all settling for like these like long mid-range ISO shots. Do you think that the like the prevalence of three-point shot now has made the game better? Uh yeah. It's I, tough. I I think it did, and I I think mm-hmm. maybe we we might have towed a tad too far now. Where we've got teams that are that got no business hoisting it up as much as they do but like the reliance on that shot and 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 the tendencies of players you know coming up watching like the next era that is what it is but i i don't think i'm not one of those people who's like a basketball purist like the three the three ball is good the spacing is good the pacing is good and and yeah you see in the last dance but i mean even like 10 years ago i remember watching playoff games where it's like 84 79 and yeah. it's just a slow-paced game. And as much people were like, oh, you could really play defense there. It wasn't that fun, man. Like, <laughs> no, it, it, it's no. it's way more fun to watch guys whip down the court full speed, marvel at how you could never do that, and watch them trade shots back and forth. I think, you bring uh, up the, I think yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Brad. The defense thing is interesting, too, because that's one of the uh, that's one of the other biggest changes, the, the no-hand-checking. Like, you don't have the Jordan rules where you can just deck a guy coming into the paint. But it's also kind of swung too far where, like, defense almost don't have a chance anymore. It, it's just very interesting. Like, is there – what would be – so, like, if you could make a change to the current day style, like, defend, at least defensively or, like, a rule change to make it more competitive for the defense, what do you think that would be? Well, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, Bring back hand-checking. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as long as you give the shooter airspace, there's no fouls. Like you can't yeah. kick you, something with like, I, you want to protect guys when they land for, for obvious reasons, as we see in the playoffs, Kawhi and others, but like none of the kicking the leg, none of the, like the push off and then jump. And I'm not trying to target one player here, but like the, yeah. there, there are some, some niche things that could be tweaked. That would take away some of the bag from some of the scores, but that really a defender can't do anything better. His hands are off, you know, he's given space, and then the offensive player's creating contact that isn't even, you know, warranted to try to get that foul. So, so maybe trying to find ways to like just just little tweaks where offensive players couldn't couldn't force the issue to the same extent, I guess. I mean, what about uh, so a couple not a couple of years ago, but a while back they they had the the pull through right that Kevin Durant had. You can't get called on a shooting foul anymore on that that was changed what if they did it so that because because i think the biggest issue for me i guess is is that anytime a defender jumps which obviously you're not supposed to jump if he tries to the the offensive player tries to kind of jump into you then he still gets the call i think that's my issue with maybe the officiating now where they get that call a little bit too much and like that hurts guys like Lou Williams, like Demar, and and Jimmy Butler, who's been making his money at the free throw line this year. But like, should that be something that should be looked into, or is that just taking away too much from the game? Like as much as everyone nitpicks, like officiating is really hard, yeah. and like just even even coaching at like junior high and high school levels, like it, it it's hard, man. Like, mm. um, but but the thing is, you, you should be able to leave your feet so long as you don't make contact and you're mirroring the ball. So you almost need to like officiate whether a, a defender who jumped is in his own airspace and if his hands, you know, did mirror the ball and not cross the plane, 
But the the problem is like, and this is way before anyone we were watching. Like Jason Kidd used to do this all the time. He'd get around the corner three, he'd pump fake, the defender would jump, and he would straight like kick yeah. off like he was in the swimming mm-hmm. pool right into the guy, and he'd get three yeah. free throws. So he's like I, I mean, that I, free throw line too. Like he, that's how far he'd try to kind of move it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 have limited. You don't see it as much. They have limited to some, but yeah, like again, it's another thing they could tweak. What about uh, what about the evolution of of just the big man? You know, the we went from like big men being the dominating paint position, like the people that they were seventies and the eighties, even in the nineties, and then we went to the evolution of the stretch four, and today we have big men who who can essentially play like guards. But I, I just want to know, what do you think the next evolution of a big man is? Do you think that? The, the idea of positionless basketball is what we're moving towards, and, and that's going to be something that's more prevalent. Or do you think the big man in the post, you know, posting up for five, ten seconds is, is going to be something that comes back? Uh, I don't think it's coming back. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, like, on, honestly, I felt for, like, a long time, since probably the Miami Heatles, like, so, so, it's ten years now? Oh, wow. Nine years. But, wow. like... Yeah. It felt like when they, when when Braun started to go to four, Bosch started to go to five. A little bit of you started to see a little bit of LeBron center when Bosch was out. Like, I, I I do think the future of the game is five guys in that six five to six ten range, who you trust mm-hmm. all of them to switch and hit a three. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, like the Rockets in, in a sense, kind of because I I, just- I do think this this Rockets experiment might be like the first full commit to what the future of, of the game is going to be, but I think they're on the right track. I really do. And it's why I think, like, uh, Ben Simmons, for example, is, is going to be a superstar in this league for a long time because of his versatility on defense and, like, the jump shot remains an issue, but his ability to kind of D up anybody, and, and I won't say that he can, you know, lock down a Carl Anthony Towns in the post, but, like, there's no, there's no need. There is no Shaq anymore. There's no one... If... The other teams posting up, you know, ten times a game. I think you're going to take that as a win. Most teams are are, are happy with that, and they're going to trade buckets and they're going to play faster. So I, I do. I think I think the bigs have kind of been phased out, and it was interesting in your show notes. I don't think it's because big men can't shoot. I, a lot can. It's that you know the, the big men, like the defensive player of the year type big men, the Joel Embiid's and the Rudy Gobert's, and Stephen Adams, and they just they can't switch and they get out in space. And the game's all about space and speed. And I don't. I don't see that changing. Um, I, I the other the other aspect. I, I mean, the whole idea of this podcast was because Bradshaw and I were were watching league pass games, old league pass games, and at one point I looked to Bradshaw and I say, "Man, I genuinely think I could score <laughs> a bucket on Oscar Robertson, or or I could potentially because I know how great he is, and I see." how great he was statistically, like a, a monster, one of the best we've ever seen. But just the way that the game was played, just the, the I guess, the evolution of the game, the guys just don't seem as good as they are now. And that's how it should be. But do you think it's fair to compare guys across generation like that, where it's, you know, a Kareem or a Will to comparing them to, you know, uh, even Anthony Davis, I saw a comp for Wilt and Anthony Davis recently, which I don't know, but like, do, do you think that's a fair comparison to make? But it, it like there, there's always levels of nuance. Like the, the conversations that I have with my buddies at the parking lot aren't the same 
that I have with like the average NBA Twitter junkie aren't the same that I get to have with like someone who who's paid to watch the game or as a scout or whatever. Like there, there's layers to it, right? And I, I, I think. I don't know. It's funny you mentioned Oscar because I think he's one of the more overrated players of all time, and he's so cherished <laughs> by a so lot I of can't people. Score a, I can score a bucket on him. <laughs> I, I, he, his teams weren't successful. Like all of the things that people say about Russell Westbrook should be said about Oscar Robertson, but he won that ring with Kareem, and I think that's like the thing that people remember most about him other than the triple double season. And you know, his teams just weren't good and they didn't compete. And I know the Celtics were cheap, but um, but now I'm getting lost in the question. But but to your point, like, I think it's more about relative greatness. Like, uh, you, you can have a discussion like today and you, you see it. I, I, anyone who doesn't see it, it is just they're not in their depth, man. Like when you watch those highlights of Jordan cutting up those Celtics, like one, they got swept Two, they lost that series um, by an average of like 13 and a half points. But like the Celtics help defense was non-existent. Like, you can just see in, like, a minute and a half, they're, like, they're barely moving their feet as Jordan's cutting through them. And, like, Jordan is one of those guys who's an all-time, all-time athlete. He could play in this era. Could everyone play in this era? No. It's another pet peeve. Like, everyone that everyone loves, Iverson would have been unstoppable in this era. Kid would have been unstoppable in this era. Bird would have been unstoppable in this era. Everybody. Like, that's true of some guys. It's not true of some other guys. But I, I think if you want to have an honest conversation, it's it's relative greatness. Because they didn't play in 2010. They played in... 1965 or 1985 and how good were they compared to the field then my very very long-winded answer i'm sorry that was actually i'm I'm glad you went over this is this is a good way to tie into the next question i have which is uh guys from previous eras if we were to just if we want we can play a little game here and kind of just throw out a bunch of names and if you think they can continue to be either as dominant or pretty damn good in this current era. So I'll, I'll throw some names out there. Brad, if you want, we can go back and forth up to you. Sure. Uh, I'll, also, I'll also only settle for like, would he be a, could this guy at least get in the rotation in the NBA today? Like some, like one of the guys will come up here. We just talked about him. We'll see if he can even get into a rotation. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. MJ obviously is, is an easy one, but what do you think? Oh yeah. My, I'm, I'm, Michael Jordan could play. And I, yeah. I, I think those, those outlier athletes that, you know, they didn't need the extra medical benefits and they didn't need the food that we had today and whatever. Um, you know, you can tell. I mean, you, you can see at the UNC highlights and even Scotty Pippen, you could see in his uh, our Kansas highlights and high school highlights, whatever yeah. they rolled in last dance. Like he just stood out size mm-hmm. and athleticism. But that's not the case for everybody. I'll go with one of my favorite players. I think at least at one end he could he could get by in today's NBA. What do you think about Akeem uh, Olajuwon? Yeah, he's an interesting one, man. Like, I he would he would be someone I feel like you know to to quote the great Draymond Green, he would be an eighty-two game superstar, mm-hmm. and you might still run into similar issues with him in the in the postseason where, you know, his footwork's great, but is he quick enough? Yeah, to to cover space, you know, playing forty feet out in a five-out set. Um, I don't know. So like, I, I I think he would be like kind of like Joel Embiid where he would be in that top 10 player conversation. He would, you know, be an all-star. He would be great. But then in the playoffs, you wouldn't want him covering, you know, Clay Thompson on a switch. So I, I don't know if he would be as effective. Then we might be having, you know, the same conversations with about Hakeem that we're having about Embiid. Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is a big one for me because I, I kind of battle with it. I'm not sure if he would be just as good now just because of the rule changes and, and what we see 
defensively now in the NBA, Shaq. You know what? Shaq is like the number one outlier for me. You know, yeah. like when when I was talking about earlier, like, you know, if you want to post up, that's a win for the defense. And I think that's true 99% of the time in today's NBA. I really do. If you, if you want to dump into the big for a post up, you, you go for it. But right. prime, prime Shaq <laughs> is just eating. Like he he's just going for 70%, you know, on, on the drop yeah. step every time. But, and but no do you one, think Hack Shaq would be more prevalent now than it was before? Maybe, like I, I think it would, but at the same time, like would Shaq's shooting be better today? Maybe. Uh, I, don't know. I I I still think too, like the attention to detail. If we're gonna give, you know, Shaq was his own man, so maybe I shouldn't speak to this. But like Orlando Shaq could run the floor, yeah. and like even even Lakers Shaq, like the o three o four, he got he was out out of shape and he was overweight, yeah. and that's part of the reason him and Kobe Bryant feuded. But like. Or Orlando Shaq, who is like 50 pounds lighter and and could run the floor, not quite like Giannis, but you know, uh, very athletically at a very high rate. I mean, he's gonna eat. Like Sha- Shaq was just such a. You you touched a special note for me because I think he's the best Finals performer ever. I think he's just unstoppable, physically, yeah. just so dominant. But yeah. And there there were also, there was always those videos. Like I think there were a couple of videos of him like. And like in shoot arounds or in practice of him dribbling the ball against guys on the perimeter. And like he was a good dribbler, even a little later into his career, too. He just didn't need to because he's such yeah. a dominant presence in the paint. And it, and if the game did become a fast paced game and you, you know, you push Shaq as an outlet and Shaq was coming down downhill with steam, like he did have a handle where he could have done that and adapted. He did do it to some extent in Orlando. So, yeah, um, yeah I think Shaq would have found his way. Let's reach uh, let's reach a little further back in history here and we'll go with Jerry West. How 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 would Jerry West fare in today's NBA? Yes, yeah, Jerry West is a tough one because as much as I like to like you know give myself a pat on the back and pride myself on my NBA history, like I just haven't seen enough Jerry West film. Yeah. And everything I read about him is he he's one of the first long ball shooters. And so let let's say he's amazing today. How is he? How is Jerry West athletically compared to the rest of the field, size wise? Like he's what six three? Uh, I don't know, man. I I don't know. Is like the best case version of him is it is it JJ Redick, quicker JJ Redick? I don't. <laughs> but he's he's definitely not leading the league in scoring. I don't, you know. No, definitely not. Okay, this is uh, this is an interesting one because this is. I mean, he's probably up there in the. Uh, Mount Rushmore of the NBA, but Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's interesting that nobody does the skyhook. And every, like, hard, <laughs> like, hard-talking like hard hoops this podcast. This is gone. Nobody, yeah, nobody does it anymore. Yeah. Like, I, I want to say as Lowe was talking about it a couple months ago, how about nobody uses it. And, and there's this kind of um, echo that it's because of coolness and maybe, but, like, it was this unstoppable move that helped him become the all-time leading scorer, and nobody using it is interesting. Like, his size and touch, you'd think that there'd still be a role for him, but he, if I'm worried about Hakeem, you know, finding space and moving his feet, then I, you know, you definitely got it for Kareem. Do you think Kareem is overrated or underrated historically? Oh, well, <laughs> who am I talking to, I guess? Like, <laughs> um, I, I, I think it, it, it's, for me, it's Jordan or LeBron, and then it's Kareem. Okay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, we talked about him a little bit. You already mentioned him, and uh, I think I know where this answer is going to go, but Oscar Robertson. 
Yeah, I think Oscar would be a big numbers accumulator still. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't have the athletic advantage he had then, so they would be dumbed down. I don't think he's a, he he would play today. He would absolutely he probably he would start today. I, he might even make an all-star game or two, but he would not be like in that MVP conversation. And you know, his I, I'd imagine conversations for a comparable would be somewhere to like DeMar DeRozan. Like, yeah, he gets his numbers, but like what what does it amount to? Right. DeMar DeRozan. Wow, that's such an interesting comparison. Uh, okay, Larry Bird and, and Magic Johnson. I'll, I'll combine both those guys together just because. I, I like both um, Bird more. I, I think Bird getting to play, you kind of fix the speed thing by playing him at the four. Um, he was a very strong defender, a good defender at his peak before his back gave out on him. I think he's not as much of a liability if you play him at the four in today's game. Obviously, the shooting, the playmaking is just, I mean, with, with, with today's game taking more threes, he was already so ahead of the field in both of those. I, I think he would be awesome at the four. You know, he's still not going to guard, you know, the Paul George and Kawhi Leonard well in space, but which high usage players in today's game are excellent defenders. So, um, Magic, on the other hand, is, is, is tough because great at finding his, his, his shot when he needed it, great at getting to the rim, not a shooter, but nowhere near as uh, versatile on defense as, say, like Ben Simmons. So um, right. I'm, I'm less inspired by Magic for sure. I think the closest comparison would be Ben Simmons, though, no? Yeah, I, I, do, I do too. But, like, Magic wasn't someone that you noted for his defense. And I just – him chasing guys and trying to come around screens all day long, I, I just don't know if that's – yeah. Do you think there's any other players that we missed? I mean, another guy would probably be Scotty that I can just think of off the off the rip, but – um, I think Scotty's think- defense would translate the best out of like almost anybody from the '90s. I think he could guard like basically anybody today. I think his defense was so good. Yeah, I agree. I, I think like and and Scotty's a good athlete too. And I think about Paul Pierce, who um, was not exceptional exceptional at really anything, and you know <laughs> had this Hall of Fame career, and you know was a good scorer, not a great scorer, was a decent defender, um, decent playmaker. And I think Scotty Pippen's probably better. At just about everything other than, than you know creating his own shot you know in the jump shot range but uh, I think Scotty be really good today um, I, I want to go through this this kind of quick hitter section because I, I know that on Twitter you're you're really into asking thought-provoking questions um, and, and some of the questions are just really intriguing man one of the questions you had and I think we'll get to it but it's still kind of bothering me because I don't know who to pick um, Scottie Pippen, all right, is, is arguably the greatest teammate of all time. But if there was one player that would be a teammate, and I think you alluded to this one time, who would be the other greatest teammate of all time? Man, you know, what? I could, I could uh, if you ask me this like once a week for for a couple of months, I might have a different answer every time. <laughs> but because yeah. of what I've been watching this week and thinking about, I, I feel like Manny Ginobili's in that conversation. Ooh, um, the interesting. Yeah. Okay. Because he's someone where there's like there's an advanced stats community that that will tell you um, his like every this that cumulative metric puts him up there with like Kobe and McGrady at his peak. Like he was capable of so much more. And then he had these really big playoff series and they won titles in years against Detroit where like nobody cared and nobody was watching the NBA. 
and he's just so willing to come off the bench and let you know Tony and and uh, Tim do do more. I just I, I think maybe like his his temperament and like the talent he had that, that that's a pretty great combination for a second or third banana on a team. Mm. I'm trying to think if there's any player I could I could compare closely to Manu. I think every NBA championship has one oh, well every every NBA champion has one of those players that's willing to kind of sacrifice their own role in order to just make the team better. Like you could go to to 2019 last year with Kyle Lowry. Um, you know, there's 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 always just one player that that decides to maybe not be as much of a scorer or be as much of a of an offensive threat, but get things done for their team. And I think that was one. I think that was one of the things that people said about Chris Bosh too when he was with the Heat and with the Heatles mm-hmm. was that he was he was the guy on that team that took fewer shots on offense so LeBron and Wade could do their thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? When people credited Curry, and <clears throat> I mean, fine, credit Curry because. His resume is probably longer if Katie doesn't come. But um, they also they wanted to bring in Wade too. Like Wade is part. Like I don't think Wade really sacrificed. Wade's body wasn't capable of doing the things he was doing before Braun came, and he was starting to break down. Like really, the second season in Miami, maybe even the end of the first. But but Bosch really did sacrifice a lot of like individual glory and personal stats for that team to be successful in, in a similar way to Kevin Love as well. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah. Um, okay. Let's see what we got here. Uh, okay. Scotty, Scotty Pippen back to Scotty player comparison <laughs> to today's game. I, I was thinking Kawhi when I was watching the highlights on, on the last dance, but maybe offensively not as skilled. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say offensively, Paul Pierce, defensively, Sean Marion. Okay. Ooh, okay. All right, interesting. I thought he was faster than, than – or at least it looked like he would be faster than Paul Pierce offensively because Paul he's, always had that good footwork, right? He's more athletic for yeah. sure. Like quicker first step, more bounce. Um, I, I mean, he's probably a 9 out of 10 athlete, but like he, he was in Jordan's shadow. I mean, he yeah. – his dunk over Ewing is, is is if it's not the best dunk of all time, it's up there. Ooh, I think I might go um, Wade over Verjao for best poster of all time. That was, that's <laughs> that's one of my favorites. That's actually a good, that is a good one. Um, let's see what we got here. If Michael Jordan, oh, I know Brad wants to ask this one. You want to ask it? Sure. I I I really just tried to. When I first thought of this question, I'd really tried to lean you. I was going to try and lean you toward one answer, so I thought I'd just ask the question directly. Because okay. everyone talks about like what's like the one team that like Jordan could have like could have beaten Jordan in the '90s. And personally, to me, I think it was the Houston Rockets. I think if Jordan was there for those two years, or at least there for the majority of that second uh, Rockets run, I think they would have been the team that could have beaten them. Because Jordan has said like outright that. He didn't think they had an answer for Akeem in the post, and, and like he didn't think anybody on the Bulls could guard it to cover him. Do you think that I would have been like the one team, or is there another team that you think could have really given the Bulls a run in the nineties? Um, yeah, I, I don't think I, I'm probably in the minority here, like yourself, that I think, but <clears throat> I think Houston beats Chicago both ninety four and ninety five. Um, I agree. Yeah. I, th- I think one that we Pat Riley's disease of more. Um, 
that that the Bulls were were tired. They needed those two years to like figure things out. You know, they needed to. They realized they needed MJ. MJ needed to come back refreshed. You know, winning eight in a row is hard. When when the Warriors signed KD, all the chatter on social media was they're winning the next five. But personalities clash. The effort night tonight's not the same. Like you you saw that with this team with Draymond Green injuries happen. I just think it's very unlikely this team wins eight titles. And then I look at 95, and I know Jordan only played 19 games or whatever it was that season, and he wasn't totally in game shape. But they did lose. They lost the Orlando Magic, who had Shaq, and they didn't really have an answer. And Shaq and Penny took it to them. And then Shaq, who had, I think, 10 years on Hakeem, and granted he was young. He was like 24 or 25, so he's a young guy. still got lots to learn. But, you know... 10-year difference, a lot more miles on Hakeem's knees. Uh, they went and they get swept by, by those yeah. Rockets in the finals. I just, you know, I, I think that Jordan's right. Like, they didn't have an answer for Hakeem. And they didn't have Rodman yet, which is something people forget. Like, there was no there was no Rodman in 94 or 95 to, mm. to chase the uh, Hakeem. And, and Clyde Drexler was there, too. I mean, he wasn't Jordan, but he might have been the second or third best perimeter player after him and Pippen, so... And I was watching the, uh, the the clutch the the clutch city documentary for Houston, and like near the end, they bring up and Vernon Maxwell brought it up that when they played them in the regular season with Jordan when he was there, when Vernon Maxwell was there, they beat them almost every time. Yeah, now you got me curious. I had to look up like what Jordan Keem's head to head record was because I'm very curious. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Um, I, I kind of want to know what about '99 though. You know, lockout season. You don't know if a coach is coming back, but let's say everybody comes back for the Bulls. Could they have gone for four at least? Like, would it be a guarantee? Because I saw Rodman the other day say, oh, guaranteed 99, and he's going to say that. But is it as much of a guarantee as they say? Uh, it's not like, it's not like it wasn't a guarantee. Like they, they had a chance, but again, it's the same thing where, like, okay, now they've won six of the last eight years. They had this emotionally draining year. Um, <clears throat> no one was certain on the future. If they ran it all back, there'd be still be no trust in the locker room. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they they pull it out to be honest with you, but um, but I don't think they win ninety four. And I I would be more likely to believe ninety nine than ninety four or ninety five. And uh, I did look it up. Hakeem was thirteen and ten versus Jordan in his career. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is uh, this is the question that I thought was really really thought provoking uh, on the uh, Google Doc side of things of Twitter. Which player in NBA history benefited the most reputation-wise from winning an NBA championship? Uh, it's kind of a double-barreled question. Who do you think it was through history? And then what about this season? Okay, so this is this is one that I love. Like I, I love this one. It was fun talking about this like a week ago on my pod. We did that. We did this. Um, this is hard because everyone wants to say 2011 Dirk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in in our generation, it probably is like so. So I get it, but I I was feeling like Jerry West has to be in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like, n- I mean, nine straight or nine straight finals runs. Yeah, and and if he never won one, and yeah. then those Lakers wouldn't have won one, which you know, like I I think that's a huge. And for the guy who's the logo, you know, f- for him to have the clout that he has, very good player, very successful, but. Um, to never win and to have that be your footnote in history. I, I think that's that's up there. So he would be the, the honorable mention, I guess. 
Um, and this year it has to be Harden. Like if there was a title mm-hmm. this year and James Harden wins, I think it'd be very similar to what happened to Dirk, very similar to what happened to Garnett, Pierce. Um, you know, it, it validates a very, well, not, not even very good, a great statistical career and a ton of regular season success. And it eliminates a lot of the baggage knocks on what he is and isn't capable of. Do you think that's ultimately fair, though? Like to the the ring culture that we have right now, where as soon as a guy wins a ring, they get put on this this pedestal, whether it be deserved or not. Do you think that's that's a fair assessment of how a player is done throughout their career? I think mostly no, but sort of yes. In that, like, if you want to be the greatest, you have to win. Fair, foul, or otherwise, you 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 can't be the greatest if you've never won. It's just it's it's what everybody plays for. That being said, you know, if, if a guy wins one title because he only ever had one team that was really capable of it, um, I'm not going to beg on him for winning, you know, once. And if he was like a way better player in his prime and has more MVP awards, um, I'm going to view him higher. And, that, and that's the case for, I think, most people who love the game, but or I, most people who are diehards. But, but the casual fan isn't taking up in as much information as we are. They're not looking, they're not reading the power rankings every week. They're not debating who the MVP is all the way through the season. And and what they're getting is is the snapshot of the finals. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's just sort of how people take in sports. But but to answer your question, I think it's mostly unfair, but it, you, you do need to win. I know the question was about which NBA player would have benefited the most from the championship. But this season, when you brought up hard to made me think about this with the regular season success, would Mike Budenholzer be the NBA coach that would benefit the most from a championship this season? Yeah, you know what? I might be tempted to say Mike D'Antoni too. Yeah, <laughs> um, oh, Mike D'Antoni would be up there. Sure, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like just all of the success that he had with Phoenix, um, you know, the the success that he's had with the Rockets, you know, having the MVP on his team three times, um, all of the things that he's credited with, and then like his record's zero and five versus Pop in the playoffs, or something like that. Wow. Like, and he just never won. And I'm, yeah. there's all sorts of things you can point to, w- wacky performances from Harden, um, the Robert Horry hip check, the Amari Stoudemire missing all of 2006. But um, I, I feel like Dan Tony is someone who's like, he's a Hall of Fame coach. He, he's a coach everybody knows that credits with all these things. But there's still people who are like, oh, he doesn't, he runs too short of a rotation. He's too reliant on his offense. And, Et cetera, et cetera. This doesn't work come the playoffs. So I, I think for he'd be my pick there. I think uh, another cool aspect is, um, is is the idea of an asterisk championship. Uh, Draymond obviously brought this to light for Raptors fans recently where he said, you know, no Kevin Durant and, and we would have won, which is probably fair and accurate. But I think it got Raptors fans in their feelings with, with just everything in Twitter. Um what what do you think of asterisk championships and what is the sense like like do you believe in an asterisk championship or is that just like a bullshit thing players will say yeah it's it's, it's bullshit man i'm like this year could prove me wrong if if they do something wacky this year where they just name the bucks the titles cuz they had <laughs> or cuz they had the most wins or they do like a single elimination march madness type thing that might be different but in 99, I heard that it was going to be an asterisk season with Jordan and the lockout. In, in 2012, I heard it was going to be an asterisk season. 
Um, and he, the first two years to Kevin Durant, I heard it was going to be an asterisk season. But no one talks about it like that. Like it's just they won. And yes, people who who are really into the sport and will remember some of the context might not value that ring. All rings aren't equal. You know, Dirk's ring with the Mavs in 2011 is going to be celebrated more by more people for all of time than either of Kevin Durant's will with the Warriors because the perception is it was earned and he bled for the team and there was a deeper connection there. And that's that's part of fandom as well. But is there an asterisk on KD's rings? Is basketball reference going to take away the little emoji ring emoji from his name on the site? No, they're not. So um, I, I think it's mostly bullshit. I think that's what Draymond said, too. He said, um, you know, after 2017 when KD won and he, he kind of flexed his muscle against LeBron and, and won the finals MVP, he thought that the narrative would change and that he would now be called the best player in the league. But he said the, the day after Draymond was talking to him, and, and I don't know if this is all true, but this is what Draymond's saying. Um, and, and Draymond essentially said that Kevin Durant felt like he was being sold short, you know, and I don't know if that's necessarily fair. KD is probably going to go down as, as one of the best to ever do it. I just feel like there's 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 an air of, hmm, that championship isn't as valuable as, as one championship is, you know? Yeah, and it, I mean, that's how I feel. Like, I, I, I yeah. can't help it. Like, that. that's just how I feel. I, I what, what kills me is, like, <clears throat> he got what he wanted in that, like, he wanted to win. He wanted to be in that best player ever conversation. Like, I've seen the I've seen the list that CBS has done. I've seen the list that, that places have done. He's put himself in that top fifteen category yeah. of all time with those two titles and the two finals. So so he's on track. But like, and I get I am sensitive as hell. Some days on Twitter, I'm just trying to talk basketball. I'll I'll be making fun of Paul Pierce. I'll be putting up a question, or whatever, and someone will like blast me for no reason. I'll be super sad. I don't want to look at my mentions. So I get Kevin Durant. <laughs> holding a finals MVP, putting one in between LeBron's eyes and, and going to Twitter and thinking, I'm going to be a hero. And everyone's still clowning on him. I get it. I get it. It hurts. But, like, I don't understand how he thought this would go down. Because right. immediately before this, when the Miami Heat Big Three came together, the whole slogan was uh, bought, not built, right? For the Spurs, or built, not bought was the Spurs slogan. Yeah, because yeah. the Heat were buying the titles, we bring those three guys together. Like KD elevated that; he already went to a team that broke the wins record and already had a title. Like I just don't know how he thought he was going to have that connection with the Warriors fans. How he thought he was going to have that connection with basketball fans? Because just never in history has anyone ever been celebrated for doing anything like that. Who is your? Uh, this is this is kind of switching topics here, but who is your Mount Rushmore of completely random NBA players? And this is like. No all-star appearances, just absolute random guys. <laughs> just like that I enjoyed watching? Or? Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know, okay, we're Sh- putting on your spot. <laughs> we're putting on the spot. <laughs> Sh- Sean Marion. Okay. okay. J- Jerry Stackhouse. Sean Marion nice. was never an all-star? That's surprising. Okay, Jerry oh, Stackhouse. Oh, no. sorry, never an all-star. Oh, okay. Um, never an all-star makes this way harder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me let me chew on that and okay. come around to the All end right. of the pod, and then okay, we'll... <laughs> okay. okay, I got you. Um, I mean, we we could play a quick game of uh, of start bench cut. What do you guys say? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I think I actually suggested this one earlier. 
Duncan Garnett Dirk start bench cut. Um, I have to start Duncan. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm gonna right. bench Dirk, um, and, and then I'll, I'll I'll make the tough choice and I'll cut KG. Woo! Okay. All right. Uh, Go for it. I think I think I'd still have this. I think I'd have the same thing. Maybe flip Duncan and Dirk with that. I, I definitely would cut KD, uh, KG out of the three of those. Yeah, I'd I'd probably do the same. It's tough cutting KG though. Like I mean, between I, I would 100% start Duncan, and I think I would I would struggle between Dirk and KG to to see who to bench and cut. Okay, Hakeem, Kareem, and Shaq. Mm. Yeah. This is t- are we are we doing this based on like where they sit on the pyramid or are we doing this like playing in today's game? Who? Oh, that's actually uh, I didn't think about that. Let's my do, let's, di- yeah. yeah, that's true. It would be a different answer for everything. Um, yeah, let's go today's game. Yeah, yeah, it'll be more fun today's game. Okay, I'm gonna start Shaq. I'm gonna bench Hakeem, and I'm gonna cut Kareem. Ooh, okay. I think I think I would probably have the same thing. I, I I'm, I'm not cutting Akeem. I'll say that. There's no way I'm cutting Akeem. I think I would probably cut Kareem, but I would start Hakeem instead. I feel like if I mean if we're thinking he's playing in today's generation, if Hakeem had a three point shot, even <laughs> a little bit better than Embiid's, that would be pretty dangerous. I don't even think Shaq needs it. I think that would make Shaq yeah. worse. It'd be like when Demarcus Ooh. Cousins, he was averaging like 25 a game, and he was starting to look really dominant. And then he and decided then he, just, he wanted to yeah. shoot like five threes a night at twenty eight percent. You were like, "No, you don't need that. You don't. <laughs> you you can do anything you want within eighteen feet. Anything to anyone. No one can stop you. Stop stop jacking threes, man. And That's and Bead's kind of the same sometimes, where you're like, he'll go like three of nine or two of ten a night. You're like, why? Do you feel like that's a that's a, an issue with? Like, he's forced into that position where no one else on his team, especially this year, like, no one else on his team was willing to shoot. And he was kind of forced to be that guy at the end of the shot clock to, like, pull up from pull up. From yeah, three. I, I think it's both. Like, I I, I think, one, there's just such a reliance on it now in today's game that everybody wants to shoot them. And there's, like, this perceived value if you shoot them that you'll be, you know, more valuable and you'll make more money and all these things. So I think that always, but... Yeah, the Sixers spacing, doubling down on old Al to play big is didn't exactly pan out yet. So no, it did not. Brad, do you want to ask the next one? Oh, this will be fun. Kawhi, Harden, and Giannis. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh man, this is tough. I'm honestly going to start Kawhi if you promise me he's going to be healthy, and I'm going to okay. bench Giannis and I'll cut Harden. Okay, I think I'm st- I'm bi- I'm obviously heavily biased as knows, but I'll, I'll start Giannis. Yeah, he's a Bucks fan, then- by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll cut Harden out of the three of them. I'll probably go the same as Josh. I'll go start Kawhi, bench Giannis, and then cut Harden. The only the only thing I'm not I'm not one of those people that's like I want to see Giannis do it in the playoffs I want to see because like his playoff woes are greatly exaggerated and he's put up very good playoff numbers last two years. It's just I trust Kawhi to get a tough bucket more. In, no, that's, in, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Lowry Conley Billups. By the way, this is this is a heated rivalry between Brad and I. We 
constantly fight over Kyle Lowry versus Mike Conley. Mike Conley. But, yeah, so so Lowry, Conley, and Billups. Well, Lowry and Conley are the same. Or yeah, Lowry, sorry, and Billups are the same player. Had the same career. Mm-hmm. Each took like seven years to figure it out, and then were great for the rest of their careers. Both won a title on a team that like probably shouldn't have won a title, but did did all the extra shit for you. So I'm going to keep both of them. I'll let you pick who I'm starting. I'm going to cut Mike Conley because, oh. uh, you know, after, <laughs> maybe it's just the stink of this Utah <laughs> year in my nose. But because I do remember last year's trade deadline where, where I was like internally debating, like, is Conley an upgrade? It's like, should yeah. I be grabbing Conley for this playoff run? And yeah. obviously Lowry, you know, made good, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep Lowry and Billups not and and I know that I know that Prime Conley's not far off, but yeah, I'm gonna cut him right now. Brad, you know I'm gonna use this against you, right? Yeah, so uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I, I've already said that like with the ring, like Kyle Lowry's career is better, but before that, it was really close. That's fair. That's fair. I'll, I'll give you that. Okay, um, Westbrook, D Rose, and Chris Paul. Now we could do we could do uh, careers here, or if you want, we could do like their their peaks because rows. So, uh, I mean, if we if we're doing peaks, it's it's Paul Westbrook Rose for me. Okay. If we're doing careers, it's Paul Westbrook Rose for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'd probably go Paul Westbrook Rose as well. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a that, that's an easy one. That's an easy. I one. think that that's an easy one. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm glad you guys are saying that because I feel like Paul is one of the most and he's going to be like 10 years from now. Kids oh. are going to be like, oh, Chris Paul didn't even win a ring. He only made it out of the second round once. That guy's so overrated. And, and I'm I don't know. I, it's hey. might be compl- Chris Paul is the nicest point guard I've seen in my life um, other than Steph in the this unanimous is- MVP year. This is music to my ears. I, I I literally feel the exact same way, and I think I tell this s like I tell this to s like three times a week. Like people underappreciate Chris Paul so much, and it disappoints me so much. He's one of my favorite players to watch of all time, and he's gonna like you say he's gonna get lost because he didn't win a ring, and it makes I me think, very sad. I think we had a. I mean, he still has a chance of winning a ring, but I, I I think we had a pretty heated debate one time about Allen Iverson versus Chris Paul and where oh. they should rank historically. That was insane too, because for me it was Chris Paul, like by a, like it was clearly Chris Paul over Allen Iverson. What do you think about that, Josh? Yeah, I, th- I think like prime Chris Paul is, is a lot better than prime Allen Iverson. If your goal is in fact to win a lot of basketball games and not the hearts of basketball culture, and like <clears throat> Iverson, he was mean and his handle was nice and no shade. I'm not even trying to be. I'm not even trying to make yeah. jokes. Like what he did for the for the culture of the game, sticking it to David Stern, and I totally get why people cape for him. But like, Paul knew where he needed to be and where everybody on the team needed to be and where the ball needed to be on every possession, and he played with like a calculated poise that nobody nobody else I've ever seen, maybe save LeBron, has played with. Like he just he just knows basketball, man. And for for all of the great things Iverson did and all the points he scored, like there's a reason their true shooting percentage is probably like a mountain apart. And it's it's because hmm. Paul knew exactly where to get his spot, and Iverson was a tad reckless. So, uh, where where are we now? Oh yeah, um, Zion, Trey, Luca. So looking ahead to the future here, who's going to have the better overall start bench cut? I guess. 
Ooh, that's a tough one. This is... I'm... Yeah. So, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I don't know. I think the, the main thing here is, for me at least, when is Trey going to try to put any effort in on defense? And then they, they, it becomes a little bit harder. I just... I got questions about all three. I feel like I'm I'm starting Luca for sure because the floor is the nicest. Like the, mm-hmm. like he's already probably in that top five player conversation right here right now in his second year. Yeah. Is he going to be able to coexist with Porzingis? Is he going to be able to uh, knock down the three ball a little nicer and, and play off ball a bit so that you know the the team isn't totally dependent on his usage every night. Like there are there are legit questions, um, but he he's the, he's got the nicest floor. And then I look, like I, I want to say cut Trey, but like Zion played nineteen games, and mm. like the injury concerns are real, and like staying in game shape for eighty two is 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 real. And so far, I mean, like I him rotating on defense has been pretty questionable at times, but like, I feel like it's almost unfair to judge him because he's played 19 games his rookie year and like, he's not acclimated yet. So this is, I feel like we don't have enough information to really, and that's, it's part of the, it's a game, but um, it's tough. No, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Is there, is there room to say that potential wise Zion might be higher than Luca? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Like, if you're going to tell me Zion's going to lose 20 pounds, be at peak fitness, and he's going to cross the key as fast on defense as he does on offense, then then I've got some sort of like a Larry Johnson, Draymond Green combination who can hit a wide open three. Like, I'm really into it. I think that's a difference maker. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like, it, it just feels like when he came back his first night, I was like, if he's terrible, let's not – jump down his throat because he really should get a pass this year regardless and then it was you know this incredible crazy six minutes to just put him on the map and and yeah. he didn't let let up for those 19 games but it's 19 games yeah it's it's not enough of a sample size um D'Lo De'Aaron Fox or Shea Gilgis Alexander start bench cut uh, I'm gonna start Shea I don't really dig Fox or D'Lo. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I, Hurt, that's I'll hurting ben- me. <laughs> I'll, be- I'll bench Fox um, because, like, I'm going to believe that the athleticism leads to him becoming a very, very good defensive player eventually, um, and, and I'll cut D'Lo. But I I don't know. I'm not feeling Fox or D'Lo from a money perspective over the next five years. Got to give some love to the Canadian guy at SGA, too. Yeah, I feel like SGA, even if he's never someone you trust to like pull up from 30, and that's kind of what you want from your guard these days, he's going to defend 1-3 to three to high level, and he, he picks his spots well, too, gets to the line. Um, yeah, I, I like Shea a lot. Um, by the way, I was going to ask, you're from Calgary, but are you a Raptors fan, or do, do you not, like, are you a fan of a specific NBA team? I am actually like I'm, I'm a Mavs fan. Okay, I'm okay. a Raptors fan. Um, cool. The uh, I, I have like a soft spot for the Raptors, and like when I was coming up, obviously like Carter was just phenomenal, and like what Vince Carter did for interest in basketball in Canada is still unmatched. But um, yeah. but yeah, no, I never really like I, I I felt very 
irritated growing up that like Toronto was just Toronto's team and like they didn't really do anything to like get the country on board. Like mm-hmm. then maybe that's just my my take on it earlier and that's very much like Sportsnet and TSN and you know Rip God bless the score but like the coverage that we had yeah. at the time wasn't very basketball friendly across the country so yeah I mean even to a point now if we weren't NBA champions I think they would still there would still be like a lack of NBA content basketball content it's just the way it is man hockey controls the network and I'm sure you know that out in Calgary oh for sure yeah <laughs> It, it it's it's yeah, like I've t- I could tell a few stories, but like I was interning for for Sportsnet here um, seven years ago, six, eight, I don't know, uh, a while <laughs> a while back, and I was doing all the Flames games and you know like helping with production and whatever, and I was just like you know team bitch as you are when you're an intern. Yeah. Um, but at the time, like, I was already writing for Dime Magazine. I had my journalism diploma, and I was like, hey, um, you guys are just running, like, Sportsnet reruns at, like, 12, 1 in the morning, right? Like, whoever is listening, is this rerun. Like, what if I was willing to come and do a basketball show from 1 to 2 a.m. on, like, Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings, like, would you be down for that? And they were like, no, nah, no one cares about basketball. Like wow. that, that, that yeah. was the response, man. Like that, like I was willing to do it for free. And like, you know, now I've been getting paid to do a basketball podcast for like four years. And like, I've made a little bit of money doing this and like, not to tote myself, but I'm just like, I was willing to do this for free right. at a time where there was no money coming in. And I just, and there was just no interest in it, man. And it, it's crazy. Like we're getting away from the highlights era, but like as a kid, my routine before, uh, before going to school in the mornings, I had my bowl of cereal. I'd sit down on the couch. I turn on the highlights, and like yep. it didn't matter if it was Sportsnet or TSN. In that thirty-minute highlight loop, you maybe at like the twenty-eight-minute mark, you got like forty seconds of basketball highlights. After all the hockey played through yeah. like two or three times, and yep. if Vince Carter didn't go for thirty-five with the big dunk, or Kobe or Shaq didn't do something nuts, you didn't get anything. So it, I honestly still feel like it's that way. Like it I, is. It is. Still, it does, I I feel like that too. Brad you know and what? I, before this whole quarantine thing, we were doing internships at TSN here, and yeah. it, it, in a sense, it still felt that way. You know that that basketball was being undermined. At but least it, you. It, sorry, you, nuts, go ahead. It, uh, sorry, I you know I'm just, I didn't mean to. Care. I was super passionate on this, but like yeah, it's no, nice too though because like the interest level has gone up. Like the yeah. Raptors came here for a preseason game four years ago. And they sold out in an hour, right? Wow. Like they sold out. And that's with like tickets getting marked up like 10 times value by scalpers. It was it, like I, I paid a ridiculous rate to go as a fan and just have beers and watch basketball in my own city, you know, for Who'd the experience. Play? Sorry? Who'd they play? Nuggets. Jokic's uh, rookie season. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. But uh, but like it, it, it's just it's just changed, man. Like Canada's so diverse. Like. You go to any gym now to, for the the free hour, the pickup to play pickup basketball. There's like 50, 60 people trying to play on two nets. You know, mm-hmm. like um, Vancouver could definitely support a team. Now, there's so much interest in basketball, and I still feel like the country does very minimal. I'm with you guys, and that I, I think there could be so much more to prop it up. We have a we have a teacher here that says uh, anything that the states do in terms of sports is five years ahead of what Canada is going to do. So you said you said there's no highlights. It's because you know ESPN has stopped doing highlights. They do full 
analyst shows with SVP and, and all that, right? It's, it's completely taken it away. I feel like social media and YouTube and, and everything has, has helped with that. But hopefully that helps create another avenue for basketball to become uh, just like just like hockey or just like the CFL in Calgary, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And like I, I feel every time I have this conversation and I feel for like the WNBA fans. <clears throat> yeah. Like yeah. I'm not a WNBA fan. I don't watch WNBA basketball. But like this, that's all they're asking for is like a little bit more chance – to like get their product out so that people could decide if they enjoy it. And they just constantly have to deal with assholes being like, no one wants to watch your sport. Nobody says that for anything else. You know what I mean? But like they're, they have the same fight times a million. So like I'm sympathetic, but yeah, I, I, Canada and basketball has been this really slow trudge when there's literally millions and millions of people. And like, I'm a teacher now, man. Like I have the same amount of kids who play basketball every single day at lunch as they do play football as not quite hockey, but you know, it's getting there. I mean, hopefully, hopefully, when uh, when we have kids, it'll be it'll be a little bit different. Um, couple of fun <laughs> questions to end off with. I can't believe I wrote this down as a question. I'm actually getting <laughs> I'm getting a dog soon, Josh. All right. So obviously, the first thing that came to mind was basketball related names for my dog. What should my dog's name be, basketball wise? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. My mom got a cat five years ago. Okay. And we were we were debating Kobe or Shaq for for a cat for like nice. a long time because I was trying to spin it. The cat did not get named Kobe or Shaq. It did not win that war. But um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's a good name. Like I don't know, man. I, I are you guys both from Toronto? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I don't know, like I want to say Vince, but like you don't want your cat to have like too human of a name either. That's I, a, that's I, a, I told S to name him Kobe. I told S it's your favorite player. Name him Kobe. But it like, does. Does feel fitting, you know. It, it, it's it's a very dog name. I was thinking maybe like Laker, you know, like Laker would be a, a more nice name. That I don't know, I don't know. I gotta think of it. I have a bunch of, of basketball names up there. Kobe and Shaq are both up there. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, is it Zach Zach Harper? You guys know Zach Zach Harper, athletic yeah. now. Yeah. I think he named his dog Boogie or something, and oh, then. Okay. Okay. After Demarcus Cousins, which which I, I think it bangs, but then I'm I'm pretty sure like Demarcus Cousins was like this is not a compliment, like don't name me. Oh. Extra dog. So I now I'm also dog. like wondering like is the human aspect of is it is it is it an honor? People take it to heart. Like I, right. I think it's an honor. Like I love watching play basketball. I want to have a little Kobe running around here that can. Yeah. Know, <laughs> um. Okay. All right. I'll I'll start I'll start brainstorming on that one. Um. If the and one tournament was back. And you somehow morphed yourself into being a NBA or and one level talent, which I'm not. I'm not d- doubting that you are. By the way, you probably are. All right. <laughs> who's, who's who's talent would you steal, and uh, what would your and one name be? Oh man, I don't know. I don't know about an and one name. Um, <laughs> my, uh, my NBA level talent, though. This is one of the things that this is another thing that's so stupid when people talk about it on uh, on Twitter. They're like, "Oh yeah, Kyrie would win a one on one competition." The hell he would, man! Like, why <laughs> or Giannis would take one hand, throw a bar up, yeah. and they would not score a bucket if it was keeps because <laughs> they're just not. They can never stop them on defense yeah. with that big of a size advantage. So, like right now, I might say Giannis, like prime Miami Heat, LeBron James at the peak of his athletic powers, probably be where I go. But like. No one is stopping Giannis on one on one. 
You better I just hope I... off the check you can throw that that ball up every time, <laughs> bang, 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 because you're not scoring on him, and you're definitely not stopping him. I think it was um, I think it was Matt Moore. He did he had the on his on his uh, site he had a one on one like King of the Hill bracket, and they like played it out in two K, and Giannis ended up winning because of course he did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. If he didn't, I would have been outraged. Like, but there's always someone who's like, "Oh no, Damian Lillard's handles too sick. He's too quick." Dame would dribble <laughs> 67 times, waiting for a screen that would never come. Giannis could sit three feet back and still block him off the hop. Like, no, man. Like, you just can't. You can't do it. Like, one on. If you played a lot of one on one, or if you did one on ones back when you were in practice, like, the strongest, most most athletic guy on the team always kills. Yeah. Well, I mean, like maybe maybe Kawhi could give Giannis a run for his money. That, that would be Kawhi. the one guy where you're like maybe, maybe. But he he is he is incredibly strong too. Um, I guess, man that that is that is all the the quick hitters I had for you, Josh. But I wanted to ask more on the on the Canada front of things. Do you think that there's a, there's a chance that the NBA brings another team to Canada? And and if there is, where do you think it should be? I swear, anytime I have a chance to ask anyone who I think might even have the slightest insight on this, I always ask. And, and the answer is always some form of, it's definitely on the table, but it's not the number one priority. It's not like the number one thing to do. Yeah, that's fair. It, it just, it always feels like I, I get Kansas City... I get Pittsburgh, I get Seattle over and over and over. And then there's always been the talk of like the global expansion, like and what they're doing with the G League in Mexico now too. makes me wonder. Yeah. But uh, um, it, I always get told it's still on the table. So I, I would absolutely like, man, Calgary would be a dream, but uh, man, I would settle for <laughs> Vancouver. I'd, I'd be, I'd go to Vancouver once a month, see a game, figure a way. Um, but before you get me out of here, man, I made this list in between of my four non-All-Stars. Oh, here Ooh, we go. I'm I like it. Yes, let's do it. Okay, so obviously there's a there's a Mavs touch here. Um, Jason Terry. Yes. Nice. Love that. Which, nice. which is a love-hate relationship, like very similar to like, you know, that one girlfriend you had that it, it wasn't perfect, but there's just something about her and you knew it was trouble. You just hung in there way too long. Like, that's Jason Terry, man. Like there were great nights. There were terrible nights, but you were in there. Um, Anthony Parker. Nice. That's a good one. Anthony That's Parker. A good one. Out, this yeah. is like, I feel like the the way that people talked about Luca is like how Anthony Parker was. Because like when I was, I don't know, I was younger, when Anthony Parker was coming over, they're like, he was a Euro MVP. I'm like, man, the Raptors got a Euro MVP. Like, yeah. He's going to be Kelsey, right? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and like, don't get me wrong, Anthony Parker, AP was a lot of fun. He's a good player, good shooter, but like, I, I, I thought Anthony Parker was going to be what Luca was based on what I read at the time. So um, I was just a little tad off there. Uh, Deshaun Stevenson, who oh, – yeah. oh, the, the, the LeBron stopper. Who, <laughs> uh, man, to this day I still, when I'm really, really feeling myself, try to play defense like him, put the head on your shoulder off ball, just drag <laughs> all the way around. Just master instigator, so much fun. Great, like he's like the Chael Sonnen of the NBA. Like, no, he he's he's not the best, but he talks the best, and and he makes you believe. <laughs> um, and then finally Ben Gordon, who I had to double oh, check that like he never that. made it, but Ben Gordon could get buckets right up until the Pistons signed him. He could get buckets. Wow, that is that is quite the list, man. A lot of uh, a lot of shooting guards. That's a very two guard centric Mount Rushmore right there. 
It is actually, yeah. I didn't think about it, but yeah. The Jet. Uh, I, I think Anthony Parker, by the way, the, the only thing him and Reggie Miller have in common is that their sisters are better than them in basketball. <laughs> fair, fair, um, fair enough. Um, <laughs> I, I got to say, though, like I am biased because the Dallas met, there's not a lot of love in my heart for Eric Dampierre and Desanga Dia. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. What about Tyson Chandler? No love for Ty? It's different, man. That That, that was like... The formative years were gone, and like he did a great job for that title year. But then there was kind of like some awkward feelings. Mm-hmm. I mean, did- Rafael Rujo had a chance, but oh my God, Rafael Hoffa! Oh, uh, did that? Uh, this is actually a pretty good question because I mean, at least for me, Raps is 2019 Raptors run. It gets related to the 2011 Mavs run so much. Um, how how was it for you to experience that from home and see the championship? Like what what were what were the feelings going through your head, man? It's super sweet. Like the the really quick version is my mom's a flight attendant. She brought me home a Cowboys hoodie and a Mavericks T-shirt when I was like five or six. So I just thus became my teams. And uh, the year after I got the hoodie was like the last year that the Cowboys won a Super Bowl. So I wasn't even like old enough to appreciate it. The Cowboys have been mostly heartbreak since then, yep. so seeing the Mavs win was was pretty pretty surreal and it's awesome. And I think I think it also gets taken for granted so much. Like as bad as the Mavs were the next six seven years, and they you know blew their load in every free agency just terribly. <laughs> and, you know Dwight Darren Williams was the dream, and then it was like Chris Kamen and Darren calls and whatever. It's just <laughs> like it, it gets. T- it should be all about the title. And that, like, I've told the Raptors fans this year too, like, who cares what anybody's like, man, this is what you play for. And, yeah. and when, you know, like, when DeMar got dealt out, and there were a lot of Raptors fans who were, like, really upset with that. And there's some people who were really upset with Masai. And, like, I get it. But at the same time, it was like, you, he, he made the all in move, and he has a team that he, think, that he thinks he can win with. You know, and he did it, and that—that's what you should be doing. Like, it, it should be all about winning a title. And as much as you know, people love Demar and like those teams that were winning a lot of games. Like, I—I I can't tell you. I, again, this is only like a closet half faker fan who has a soft spot. But like, getting obliterated in the playoffs and watching it just not work year after year, I didn't think it was very fun. So, um, that's <laughs> that's the kind that. of risk you want to take, man. You you want to feel what it's like to win one. And I, I think Toronto probably gets that now. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. I, I mean, I was talking to Chris Walder and, and we, were, we were saying how Raptors Twitter is literally never going to give this up. Like not once. <laughs> it's going to be 20 years and we're still going to talk about, you know, we'll, we'll have a first round exit or something. And we're still going to talk about 2019. Um, Josh, thank you very much, man, for coming on, talking about yeah, the, thank you so the much. 90s NBA history, all that fun stuff. It was it was good to kind of get a perspective on it. Um, because for, for us, you know, I was born in 1995. I didn't really necessarily experience, um, the Jordan days, even the Kobe Shaq days, which I love, but I mean, I had to go and revisit those after. So it's kind of interesting to talk to someone that may know a little bit more about what it was like to actually physically be at that time and, and, you know, just embrace the the sport like we have. So I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, no, thank you so much. No problem, boys. It's fun anytime. Sorry I messed up the prior engagement. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's, it's okay. all good. We'll keep that a, we'll keep that a, a shoot your shot pod secret. But 
<laughs> thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. As always, make sure to uh, follow us on uh, Instagram at ShootYourShotPod or Twitter, ShootYourShotPod, and give us a five-star rating if possible. That would be That would be great. We will see you guys later, and uh, stay safe during this quarantine. Take care.